Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! And we have got a great episode for you. It's Paige's Week, and this is the uh, the thrilling conclusion to what the fuck is going on with the medicine of the past. <laughs> I just wanted to keep it in our, you know, 1800s medical torture, terrifying theme yeah yeah we also weirdly keep it kellogg related and so that's kind of nice but before that we have some news and reviews the news is that we have a patreon which you can find on patreon.com slash cult podcast for just five dollars a month you get access to our bonus show the speculation zone Woohoo! Nice. What sweet speculation zone was their most recent one, Armando? The most recent one was a story called The Birth of LSD, where we talk about Albert Hoffman and how he accidentally invented the world's craziest drug. <laughs> I love it. It's a very good episode. It's a lot of fun. I really like it. Um, and you can find that and all of our other awesome tiers with other awesome rewards at, again, patreon.com slash podcast. And we also have another five-star review. Oh, my God. This one comes to us from Soldier in the Army of Pod. Oh. And they say, all hail this podcast. (laughs) These three friends and their insightful, hilarious commentary are voices I'm actually happy to have in my head as I go about my day. Perfect listening for your commute when you're bored at work or just sitting in the dark cleaning your guns. I once, la- <laughs> I once laughed so hard that dear leader, blessed be his name, thought I was possessed again. Drink deeply of the Kool-Aid and subscribe today. I, I'm just going to say that I'm glad that person's on our side. <laughs> Instead of not being on our side. Yeah, there's like, I okay, the, all right, all right. So the more we do this show, the weirder my fucking DMs get. And the other day I got a DM from somebody that was like, hey man, I got an honest question for you. If I started a cult based around this meal, do you think it would take off? And they sent me an actual picture of just white bread with white rice and then a, a slice of American cheese sticking out. And they actually made it for that bit, for that, for that DM. <laughs> they did that. And so the longer the show goes on, the weirder and less surprised I am at things that get sent to us. Yes, every time. But I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, and I think without any further ado, let's get into the show. Hello. Hello. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Cassetta. Yay! And it's my week again. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of 1800s Medicine is Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's all cocaine and like making people come. Actually, I flipped around. Is it terrifying? Is it truly? 
well, we could give you these antibiotics or take your leg. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. 1800s medicine. Did 1800s medicine sponsor peg legs? <laughs> Follow the trees. Halliburton. Is it all big pirate? Is that <laughs> who's behind all this? Gervy isn't real. Follow the birds. So I feel like this episode is going to be essentially a response to like how bad medicine was in the 1800s where medicine was so bad that this person was just like, you know what? Fuck all of it, though. <laughs> like, how about none? How about no more? How bad was it? They just tried to amputate all of medicine off. They were like, <laughs> no, just cut it. They were like, you know what never fed someone cocaine through their butt? The Bible. <laughs> <laughs> or did they? Or did because they? Because Book of Revelations is popping, y'all. <laughs> popping on and popping. So today we are talking about Mary Baker Eddy and Christian science. So let's dig into our sources. Uh, our first sources is the University of Rochester's article on Chiari malformation type 1. Uh, our next source is the early chemical and pharmaceutical history of calomel by George Erdang in 1948. We've also got the handbook of mineralogy. We also have Mesmerism and the American Cure of Souls uh, by the University of Pennsylvania Press, written by Fuller in 1982. We also have The Philosophy of P.P. Quimby by A.G. Dresser. P.P. <laughs> also, by the way, there is a character, character, there's a person in this week's episode named P.P. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Are they big? <laughs> no. It's, it's short for Phineas P. Quimby. Uh, <laughs> Still pretty good. But prefers to go by PP. So you're saying he's small PP? Yeah, 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 yeah. Small yeah, PP. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Small well, he could, I mean, maybe, you know, his legacy, maybe he's a grower, not a shower. Most PPs at the time were small. It's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Mankind and manhood has gotten bigger <laughs> as time has gone on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's why doorways need to be taller now. Yeah, to fit the giant dicks. The giant dicks that we have. That's why when you go to a museum and you look at those dinosaur skeletons, zero dick bone. They just don't have any bone there. Real talk, I went to a wedding at uh, like an aquarium one time and they had a giant, a giant whale skeleton that did have a dick bone, which... And it was hanging right over our table. So everyone at the table then like stopped to Google, do whale dicks have bones? Turns out, yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I drank a whole bottle of wine at that wedding. <laughs> and she still got married to him, huh? Not a whale. Didn't leave for a whale. Didn't leave for a whale. Uh, that, that, it was actually a pretty cool wedding where like, you know how that time after the wedding and before the reception where you've got like at my wedding I was weirdly meticulous about like no time in between one into the other but like this wedding they were like yeah we want to leave some time in between because there's like a tide pool exhibit so you got to like walk through and like hold starfish and stuff and then you went in and had cocktails and dinner that's fucking awesome. It was a fucking great it. wedding, man. I wonder if they had a bachelor party where uh, somebody used the dick bone as a stripper pole because that's all <laughs> I want now. It, 
wasn't that big. I mean, it was big, <laughs> but like maybe it was more of a grower than, than a boner. I don't, I don't know. Question, did they serve seafood at this wedding and how fresh they did was not. it? <laughs> they did not serve seafood at the wedding. Um, Suspiciously fresh. <laughs> yeah, no oh. seafood, no seafood. Um then uh moving on uh we have uh, the complete exposure of eddieism or christian science the plain truth and plain terms regarding mary baker g eddie by frederick w peabody in 1907 <laughs> that that is important to know 1907 is a very important year in this story we'll get to it um but the lion's share of our sources come from that time then we have Christian Science by Mark Twain, also published in 1907, uh, as well as The Life of Mary Baker Eddy uh, by Sybil Wilbur. That was published by the Christian Science Publishing Society, also in 1907. A series of articles by McClure's Magazine, also published in 1907. Uh, and then we have Mary Baker Eddy's Manual of the Mother Church, 89th edition. And we also have Mary Baker Eddy's uh, autobiography titled Retrospection and Introspection. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Very ready. I just found out uh, right this moment that I'm COVID negative. Just yay! I just got an email from CVS and they were like, "Hey man, remember when you got a te- when you remember when you got tested ten days ago? Oh jeez. Well, about a about almost two weeks ago, you were COVID free, buddy." <laughs> Uh, did you have to do the nose one or the throat one? Oh, I did the nose one. I did the nose oh. one, and they, and they made me do it that myself, and they watched like a fucking masochist as they were like, oh. yeah, stick it deeper. Deep Erase and- all of mm. kindergarten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scramble those brains. The worst part, too, is uh, I think I might have been the only person in history to which they said too far, because I... <laughs> I was so af- af- afraid yeah. of not sticking it in far enough that they were like, okay, stick it to that point. And I was like, no, I can go further. I can go deeper. And she was <laughs> like, you're going to give yourself a lobotomy. <laughs> well, Armando's has a really big head, and I think most people forget that. So. Yeah. I got I got deep nose. Deep nose. I don't know if you guys know, but Armando is now much happier, but does need to use diapers. <laughs> After lobotomizing himself in the middle of a CVS with a Q-tip. <laughs> oh, but yeah, just that's, you know, happy little happies. <laughs> Great. All right. Are you guys ready? Yes. yes. More now than ever. <laughs> Mary Baker Eddy was born Mary Morse Baker in a farmhouse in New Hampshire in 1821 to her father who was a farmer his name was mark baker and his first wife abigail barnard baker her last name originally was ambrose that's not important i just think it's a better name <laughs> yeah much better what were you born in a barnard it's like yes we all are since the beginning yes, of barn it's, it's 1800s we're all born in barn uh, now, Mary was the youngest of their six children. And buckle up, because her childhood is awful. <laughs> uh, or at least it was probably awful. I say probably because a lot of the information we have, as I mentioned in the sources, comes from the year 1907. 
at which point a lot of people were specifically trying to discredit Neri. And so a lot of sources dug into her past and may have revealed things that were true or may have exaggerated things. And at the same time, she put out a lot of her own stories about her upbringing and a lot of articles about her and her life, which again may be true or may be exaggerated. So a lot of the sources we have from this time are either aggressively anti-Mary or questionably pro. So we have to kind of take both with a grain of salt. I did want to ask for some clarification. Did you say that her middle name at birth was Morse, like Morse yes. code? Yes. Okay. It was, it was likely a family name. Ah, okay. Because mm-hmm. at a certain point, I thought, you know, six kids deep, they're like, we're just fucking running out of names here. <laughs> I don't have any. She, she should just count herself lucky she wasn't named dot dash dot because she could have been. <laughs> this is my son, Jacob Cellphone Torres. Welcome to the world. So for a little bit of clarification, so Baker was her father's last name. Morris is some sort of family name. Mary's her first name. She ends up going by Mary Baker Eddie. Baker obviously being her maiden name, if you want to think of it that way. Eddie is actually the last name of her third husband. We'll get to him in a bit. Okay. Uh, According to a combination of sources at the time, Mary grew up in an extremely religious household. Her father seemed to be fairly educated, but he funneled a lot of his energy into learning and studying the Bible as opposed to anything else. Uh, He bounced through a few different churches, eventually landing on the Congregationalist Church, which we covered a little bit last week. That's the one where each congregation gets to decide what they believe. Not always great. Like some Uh, kind of libertarian Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of get to do their own thing. And so Mark Baker did his own thing, too. And according to many of the sources in 1907, he had a reputation for being a stone cold asshole. He was the guy constantly yelling at his neighbors about fences or arguing with anyone who came in contact with him. And despite living in a northern state, he was said to allegedly support slavery and was supposedly pleased to hear about the death of Abraham Lincoln. Jesus. Ooh. However, if you ask Mary and her sources, much like the assholes with rebel flags on their lifted trucks, she claims that her father was just invested in states' rights. Uh, hmm. I'm going to say probably racist. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that all sources seem to agree on is that Mary and her father had what we would call a contentious relationship. He would continually try to distract her from her desire to learn by forcing her to put in long hours of hard work on the farm. And by all accounts, Mary was very smart and her father was not all that happy about it. Oh, no. Women with opinions. Get them out of here. Oh, no. (laughs) Women are only good for bacon and birthing. Get them out. Yeah. (laughs) Get them in a barn. I do. I do love the thought of her like. I don't know, like making her own sort of learning where she's just like picking berries and she's like, okay, so if I pick one, two, three, four, and her dad's like, stop that. Just stop it. Just pick <laughs> the berries and put them in the thing. Stop learning. I swear to fucking God. I'm, I'm sorry, God. I'm so sorry. 
I pray to you and I pray to our fences. Mm. <laughs> that is basically what happened where she learned a lot at home. She would read whatever books they had around and her older brother, Albert, actually spent time like teaching her to read and teaching her the alphabet because he disagreed with their father. He was like, no, no, no. It's totally cool that she's smart. Like, that's fine. She just teach her to read. Uh, so this was like a constant family battle. Oh, my God. How dare you teach our daughter to read? Yeah. It's like the 1800s and she's listening to their version of podcasts. And he's like, no. Damn it. Now, according to a lot of these sources, uh, hard work was not enough after a while. And her father resorted to good old fashioned physical abuse. And as a result, Eddie started to experience periods of sudden illness um, and falling unconscious, having kind of almost like seizures. Um, and then she would be silent and unconscious sometimes for hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. The meaner, crueler sources in 1907 suggest that maybe this was a tactic to get attention but i'm gonna argue that it was probably a response to fucking abuse <laughs> like yeah. i like and again no one denies that she was being abused they were like well yeah everyone hits women and so they just thought that her passing out and having what i would say are likely panic attacks were for show i would say that she was traumatized and abused and that was likely her response uh, uh probably unconsciously <laughs> Yeah, or even yeah. even worst case scenario, like if you really want to play devil's advocate and you're like, oh, she was faking it, it's probably a good way to get people to stop hurting you if you're yeah. just like, I'm going to yes. play dead. Like even if she is, like why would attention that i'm sorry it just doesn't make any sense well to me. it sounds Talking like 1907 <laughs> yeah jesus yeah. it sounds like she might have also been having like seizures or something yes so well, and and you hit somebody in the head enough you start to have seizures yeah yeah. So, uh, like, when I read it, I interpreted it as this is a result of the abuse. This is a physical manifestation of the trauma she's experiencing in some way, either caused by it directly, like she got hit too many times and then she had seizures, or uh, a, a psychological response that is manifesting physically. Regardless, I'm going to call this one abuse-related. Um, so, around the same time, she also developed what we in modern day would call an eating disorder. Again, no one else at the time debated that, <laughs> uh, but they would all argue it was quote unquote for show. <sighs> like she was doing it to make a point. Uh, so she, during this time would only eat water, bread and a few raw vegetables. Uh, and she would only eat one meal a day. So, yeah, and and I they think that also may have contributed to her occasionally passing out because yeah. she's just not even she doesn't have enough food. She's being abused. She's working incredibly hard. Yeah, it's bad all around. The only people who are ever eating for show are people who uh, participate in hot dog eating competitions. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Them and no one else. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, I was gonna say too that uh, a lot of times. Um, like types of anorexia or types of eating disorders are often caused by trauma. And it's yeah. one thing that you get to control in your life. So yeah. this kind of also seems like a response to that. Absolutely. I feel like everything we've read so far and everything I read in this early section to me suggested this was someone who was heavily and terribly abused 
and these are the consequences. This is terrible. And it's sad that she had to live through this. Doesn't absolve her of some of the stuff she does later, but it's bad. Now, in 1836, when she was 15, she caught a little bit of a break where they moved about 20 miles away to a new city where there was a local school available for the children to attend. And a lot of her siblings did. However, according to Mary in her autobiography, uh, she was not allowed to go to school because, and I quote, quote, my father was taught to believe that my brain was too large for my body, and so he kept me much out of school, end quote. My first thought was, is this a real affliction that she may have had that they did not have a name for at the time? Or is this old-timey misogynistic medical nonsense? <laughs> or is this just complete insanity like the beliefs also prevalent at the time that Jews had horns things like that I'm like where does this fall <laughs> on the spectrum is this a real thing that they didn't have words for at the time is this something completely made up like hysteria or is this com like even beyond you know just limited medical knowledge is it complete fantasy <laughs> like yeah. what what is happening? So if we, so, if I, I do, I know this is going to sound horrible out of context, but I do kind of love the idea that it's just this weird misogyny where it's just like, you know, women with their brains too big that it starts forming in other places of the body. That's why they get boobs. That's just the brain <laughs> trying to escape. full of brains. You know how pee is stored in the balls? <laughs> Thinking is stored in the tits. <laughs> That's why we breastfeed children. It's, yeah, wow. Yeah. That's how their brains grow. But they not too drink big. the brain juice. But not too big. From the titties. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's why you feed girl children from the left titty. <laughs> boy children from the right titty. That's why. You don't want their brains to get too big. Her brain, <laughs> she, was fed from, she was fed from the right titty. That's the problem. Too many. Too much titty, I got to say. <laughs> too much brain juice from that titty. <laughs> too much brain juice. Now her brain's too big for her body. Hey. Yeah. Hey. This is the milk titty. This is the brain titty. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I uh, but if if it is medical, brain too big for the body could explain like seizures, maybe if it's like no. pressing it up. could. Yes, it absolutely could. So an enlargement of the frontal lobe, especially with high blood pressure or a high heart rate, could cause a seizure. It's not super common, but if you had a slightly enlarged frontal lobe and someone was, I don't know, say abusing you all the time. Yes, it could absolutely cause a seizure. Um, the other thing to consider, there is actually a medical condition that fits this description. It's called Chiari malformation type 1. However, this condition often puts pressure on the spinal cord, causing additional issues like paralysis or occasionally even death. And because she walked around for a good 70 more years after this, it's probably not that. But also remember that at the time, one of the cures for things like headaches was trepanning, where they would release pressure off the brain by drilling holes into oh, your skull. Oh, God. So this could very well be an explanation for her seizures. This could be doctors being like, well, she keeps falling down and foaming at the mouth. Clearly, she's got big brain. <laughs> that could be it. Clearly, she's um, making big brain moves. Yeah. Uh, and now, granted, the idea that someone's brain was just, quote unquote, too large didn't even really seem to be an accepted medical thing at the time. They did believe in swelling of the brain and they 
and had started to you know explore ideas of like brain surgery or removing portions of the brain although not at this point that comes a couple decades later but like it's unlikely that this was an actual medical opinion if it was it was one quack doctor that told her father that she was so stubborn and foaming at the mouth because her brain was too big and that school would make it bigger (laughs) i mean Uh, it sounds like it's just straight up misogyny that was what I was thinking. I think it might be something that her father just made up to be a total dick. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. But regardless, she was told, as, like, as a teen, that she couldn't go to school because her brain was too big for her body. <laughs> Did I mention they started a broom factory? No, they didn't. <laughs> like, that's, that's where we're at. Her, I just imagine her brain like the Kool-Aid man just busting out of the skull. Just like, I'm getting out of here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Read it. So she sat out the first year that they moved to that uh, city. She didn't go to school. She did have a tutor, which part of me is like, is if, if her brain's too big, why a tutor instead of a school? I don't know. Um, but they did give her a tutor. She did learn to read. Her brother helped her read a, a lot. So she is educated, but she doesn't have a formal education. Her education was really casual. It wore a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> it was like cargo shorts and flip flops all the time. You walked around going like <laughs> real big brain moves over here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the big brain on Mary. <laughs> uh, now, it's also around this time that she started becoming more and more involved in their congregational church. But a lot like David Koresh, she heavily disagreed with the pastors and... They didn't like having her around. And her response was, she claims that this disagreement with them made her physically ill. She says that she came down with a horrible fever. It's that giant brain. (laughs) Came down with a horrible fever. And they couldn't figure out what was causing it. No one could stop it. So she just started reading the Bible. And she claims that it was this study of the Bible that illuminated her with truth and subsequently healed her from whatever sickness she was currently suffering from. And this would lay the groundwork for her later beliefs. So wait, she told somebody, you're so stupid, I needed Jesus. I needed Jesus because of how dumb you are. Yeah, you're so stupid, I need biblical NyQuil. Like that, like that. She's like, I disagree with you about the doctrines of predestination. Oh, my fever. Uh, And then healed by the Bible. This just reminds me of every commercial of a white person trying to like open a can and they hurt themselves. (laughs) Has this ever happened to you? Oh, no. (laughs) Calvinism, no. Conflicting (laughs) ideals. Reads book faints. <laughs> Have you tried the Bible? Is your brain too big? Were you fed from the wrong titty? Do you get into arguments and cause fevers that can only be cured by the Holy Scriptures? Ask your doctor if Jesus is right for you. <laughs> so now, in 1841, a few years later, her brother Albert passed away Aww. suddenly. Because that's what people did at this time. Uh, This was a huge blow. And he was one of the only family members who would actually tutor her and foster her intelligence. And without him, she felt like she would be under her father's thumb forever. So she did what any woman during this time would do. And she got married to get the hell away. Yeah. (laughs) 
So she married a man named George Washington Glover in 1843, and they got about as far away as they could at the time, South Carolina. Raise up. <laughs> Unfortunately, six months later, he passed away suddenly of yellow fever. Oh, Ooh. no. Apparently the Bible couldn't heal him. Like, that was just one fever too far for the Bible, apparently, according to her. Have you tried um, throwing the book at him? Maybe his brain wasn't big enough. <laughs> Brain too small. <laughs> Brain too small. Can't help you. Now, this left Mary six months pregnant, oh. miles away from her family. So she was forced to make her way back to New Hampshire, where her family lived, by train and steamboat alone, wow. six months pregnant. And she made it just in time to have her first child, George Washington Glover Jr., in her father's house on September 12th, 1844. Do you mean do you mean house just kind of like on his property or do you think they made her go in the barn too? Um I mean I think she was allowed to have the baby in the house. Wow, that's a step up. That's already better. There you go. There you go. Now, the pregnancy and the journey home left her bedridden and exhausted for months. She tried to make money writing articles, oddly enough for the Oddfellows and the um Masonic lodges. But it, she wasn't super popular, probably because she was a lady with a big brain. Yeah. Um, but eventually she found work as a substitute teacher. She then ended up starting her own kindergarten, but it wasn't very popular because she refused to use corporal punishment. Ooh. Where people are like, you're not beating our children enough. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> you big brain bitch. <laughs> yeah. What is this hippie bullshit? Not hitting <laughs> yeah. children. Ugh. Now, a few years after that, in 1849, her mother died, and Mary was devastated since now there was no one standing between her and her father. Her father remarried that same year and did the absolute douchiest thing imaginable. At this time, a single woman was not allowed to be the sole legal guardian of a child, meaning that Mary's son, George Jr., was actually under the guardianship of her father. And when her father remarried, allegedly his new wife did not want Mary's son around the house. So her father revoked his guardianship and Mary's son was sent to live with another family until Mary could establish a new guardian. So she just wasn't allowed to see her son. Damn. That's fucked up. What a piece yeah. of shit. Yeah, her, her dad is terrible. He's a terrible human. Yeah. It's real messed up. Somebody should have fed him more titty. He, I think his brain's not big enough. Yeah. Not enough titty. Not enough titty. So she moved in with her sister, but her sister's family also refused the guardianship. So she did the only thing left to do and got married again. So she got married to Daniel Patterson in 1853. He was a dentist at the time, which, a.k.a. murderer slash barber. Um... <laughs> He was a dentist, and he said that he would become George's legal guardian. But once the marriage was official, he revoked that and refused to be the guardian of her child. But now that she was married, she had no recourse to basically establish new guardianship. She's already married to somebody who has refused the guardianship. That's so Never fucked up. trust yeah. a dentist. Word. So at this point, she lost contact with her son because the family that was looking after him, a family named the Cheneys. Yeah, it's I don't think they're related. It might be. It might be. 
It might. Dick Cheney may have been alive back then. I don't know how old he is. Doesn't he have a giant baboon heart? I mean, this fits in. Yeah. Did he ever shoot someone in the face unprovoked? Heart too big. Absolutely. <laughs> so the Cheneys moved to Minnesota, which at this time was considered the far west. Oh. <laughs> so they weren't. Oh, she no. never was able to see him. Uh, so several years later, as her son grew up, he actually enlisted in the Union Army during the Civil War. So she did not see him again until he was in his 30s. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. And this made her furious. She really resented her second husband for it. The marriage wasn't great. So as a distraction for losing her only child, she started studying with a man named Phineas Quimby, a.k.a. P.P. Quimby. <laughs> and at this point, we have to take a detour to talk about P.P. Quimby and his madness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phineas Parker Quimby was born in the small town of Lebanon, New Hampshire, not far from where Mary grew up. And he was one of seven children to the son of a blacksmith, as was customary for his status in life and his economic class. He didn't get to go to school. He received pretty much no formal education. He did catch tuberculosis as a youth. And at the time, there was no cure for tuberculosis. Uh, a lot of times people would send uh, people suffering with tuberculosis to like drier climates or um, have things that could mitigate their symptoms, but not, there was no cure. Like there's no long-term treatment. But his doctor prescribed something called calomel. And calomel began to rot his teeth out. Oh, God. And I actually looked up calomel because I was like, what is this? And the reason it didn't cure anything was because it's made of fucking mercury. Oh. <laughs> Yikes. God. Losing your teeth and facial deformity were the best possible scenarios for ingesting the levels of mercury included in calomel. Most other people experienced death or severe mental illness due to mercury poisoning. If you're familiar with the phrase mad as a hatter, uh, that's because hatters would use mercury and it would slowly drive them insane. Uh, if you listened to the podcast S-Town, where the main character was a clockmaker and used to do mercury firing, the exposure to mercury may have contributed to his mental state in the story. Um, but yeah, so this stuff is terrible and he was chewing large quantities of it all the time oh he's just like dipping mercury like it's fucking <laughs> they, chewing they would, tobacco they would come in like pill packets <laughs> and so you would just like it, i looked at pictures of it it looks like candy yeah is and it's just straight up mercury it's just <laughs> gnawing on the wrong end of a thermometer like yeah. crushing he's just it. fucking he's just fucking putting it between his lip and just like yeah, yeah, he's got hardcore meth mouth, yeah. hardcore mercury mouth. I mean, if you are going to go around on your husband who is a dentist, this would be the most upsetting person <laughs> to do it with. Well, they don't have a romantic relationship. Oh, you're telling me PP never got in? That's what I'm saying. Uh, uh, not with this weird meth mouth. <laughs> um, but he, he started experimenting with his own ideas for a cure. And he found that, quote, intense excitement um he compared it to like galloping <laughs> on a horse mm -hmm. alleviated his pain for periods of a time oh really so he yeah he became interested in the mind's ability to affect the body uh he claims to have cured himself of tuberculosis by excitement 
question mark. So the cure for tuberculosis is to stimulate the PP. That is what that's what makes the PP <laughs> feel good. PP stimulation cured tuberculosis allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> now, and if you're if your belief is that like positive thinking and good ideas can cure physical maladies, what's more valuable than a woman with a giant brain? Yeah. <laughs> That's this is fair. the worst superhero team of all time. It's fucking mega yeah. mind and no teeth. <laughs> yeah. So to repeat, a man with potential mercury poisoning yeah. decides that excitement cures tuberculosis, but then he decides that he's going to take it one step further. So he gets super into what was called at the time mesmerism, or as we know it today, straight up hypnosis. Oh, okay. That is exactly. So, I like the the thought of mesmerism because I, I it's just like I, I look. It sounds more legit. Yeah, I looked at it too long and I just got mesmerized by it. Well, it's because mm-hmm. it keeps spinning. Mm. Now, Peepee claimed that he could heal people of things that doctors were stumped by. So he told his patients that disease was caused by false beliefs, and that. <laughs> The cure to pretty much everything was in the explanation of these false beliefs via hypnosis. So he would like put people under and be like, you're not sick. You're just being horribly abused by your father and wake up (laughs) and uh, people would be allegedly cured. Uh, Another notable thing about Quimby, he actually owns the patent for an early version of the modern chainsaw. <laughs> it's totally unrelated, but I found it and I was like, well, this is interesting. I hope it is related. And that was like an early form of hypnotism. He was like, all right, now look at this. <laughs> <laughs> we thought the blade could You're hypnotize people, but it just turned out to be a whole thing. You're feeling very sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that he's just like juggling them <laughs> instead of watches. <laughs> just like <laughs> I do love um, I do love the thought process of one of his patients waking up and being like, Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I don't feel any better, <laughs> but I hate my fucking dad. <laughs> Can I buy one of those chainsaws? <laughs> I just miss the old timey times when you could have seven different job descriptions and everyone would be like, that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas now if you're like, I'm a sound cloud rapper slash chainsaw inventor slash thinker slash hypnotist. You're like, fuck this guy. I don't want to listen to this guy. Are you smoking mercury? <laughs> like, what is happening? I am. He also he was a clockmaker, so he had exposure to mercury that way too. Oh god! But that's how he knew how to set up the gears for the chainsaw. Oh man! Wow! Wow! Yeah, um, yeah. So Mary Baker Eddy decided that he was definitely the dude to study under. But when people would question her about it, she claimed that she believed in everything except for the hypnosis part. (laughs) But that was kind of like the whole thing. So she was actually quoted as saying. P.P. Quimby stands on the plane of wisdom with his truth. Christ healed the sick, but not by jugglery or with drugs. (laughs) Jugglery. (laughs) So essentially, she was saying that she strongly believed in healing through the triumph of the mind, but she didn't believe hypnosis had anything to do with it. And she didn't believe that hypnosis or drugs were necessary for healing because Jesus didn't use them for healing. This is proof, though, right, that he was juggling those chainsaws. Can we agree? <laughs> I that? think so. Can we agree that's what she was she, saying? She did say jugglery and not hypnotism. So I have to imagine <laughs> that he was just like, and she's like, I don't think this is healing people. And he's like, shut up, big brain bitch. And he's just 
juggling chainsaws. Honestly, if I was really sick, I would be like, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, like I'm not healed, but this is pretty great. Yeah. He also is apparently the inventor of the Make-A-Wish Foundation because that's exactly <laughs> what he's doing. Yeah, your earliest Make-A-Wish, like the most famous person is someone who can juggle a chainsaw. <laughs> Fuck John Cena. I want to see someone juggle chainsaws. I'd fuck John Cena if you're not gonna. <laughs> Just, I, you know. Side note, though, I do think Jesus can juggle, right? <laughs> Jesus can definitely no. juggle. He was juggling three jobs, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in one person. Come on. Jesus Come can, on. Jesus, Jesus can, can juggle jobs. Jesus could probably juggle if he didn't have those holes in his hands. Yeah, I was going to say, they're just going to fall through. He can juggle because they fall oh. through. Oh, my goodness. Jesus could do it. I mean, if he could multiply fish and loaves, he could juggle. For sure. <laughs> he, the balls just uh. have to be bigger than the holes. <laughs> just yeah. Shut up. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Okay. Armed with this knowledge that the mind could cure people, a.k.a. chainsaws, she continued to study with PP through 1866, <laughs> at which point she slipped on ice and fell, injuring her spine. And here's where some confusion and differing accounts come in. According to Mary... She damn near broke her back and would likely never walk again until she prayed over it for three days and then she was healed even better than before. However, the attending physician claimed that yes, indeed, she had injured her back, but she would recover with rest and no extreme measures. Furthermore, Mary then tried to sue the city on the grounds that she was still suffering from her injury months later, but then she withdrew the suit. It is suspected that rather than being healed, she forever suffered from pain from this injury and potentially from trying to proclaim herself as healed too quickly. She didn't have time to correctly heal. Um, this is going to come up again later because if your back is still hurt, but you're like three days, I'm healed just like Jesus, bring on the chainsaws. <laughs> that's not going to allow your back to heal properly. Oh yeah. So that's suspected that that's probably what happened. Back injuries are dead. That's no bullshit, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. She became convinced that illness could be healed through quote unquote awakened thought brought about by a clearer perception of God but also by the explicit rejection of drugs, hygiene, question mark, and medicine. <laughs> I think hygiene refers to things like, I, I would say, medical maintenance, brushing if that makes okay. sense. Yes, I, I suspect it's brushing your teeth. That'll show that fucking dentist I'm dating <laughs> or <laughs> married you, Dan. Fuck you, Dan. Fuck you, you piece of shit. Also, before we get any further, Awakened Thought sounds like the coolest strip club. It, it's definitely <laughs> like women owned and operated. And I want to go. Time is a flat circle. I'm <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> We should rethink electoral colleges. Uh, uh. Yes. Now, she rejected all of these things based on the observation that Jesus didn't use them. But again, I'm going to say that there's a lot of stuff that the Bible just didn't include because it wasn't necessary. Yeah, they don't include bathroom breaks either, but he Thank probably you. peed. Yeah. Let's go with that. He probably peed. He maybe did some sort of tooth thing. We don't know. Damn. Most of that stuff's not included. Who knows? 
who knows i know how blasphemous this is but if i was jesus i would definitely pee through the hole in my hand like 100 percent. like if i had a hole in my hand in real life i'd definitely still do it i'd only do it when i had to shake hands with someone i didn't like that much like oh sorry about that i don't want it on my hand i want it through the hole that's what i mean though is like you shake hands with someone and (laughs) you spray them it's like a little i've never been so glad i'm remote (laughs) because like if lightning strikes y'all me and the cat are just hanging yeah it's fine oh for sure (laughs) but secondly also uh jesus didn't use trains and steamboats to get across the country in a race against your own uterus like yeah yeah you can't use that logic and then like let it go later well, and that's that kind of is a thing. We'll get to it in the end, but there's a lot of uh, preaching things that she didn't actually practice. Um, now, something about this situation caused a further rift between her and her husband. So she legally separated from her husband, Daniel Patterson, and she started kind of traveling around her local area. She doesn't travel very far across the country, but just kind of town to town. But she never really stayed anywhere too long because she constantly got in fights with all of them. And towards the end, she got heavily into spiritualism. And so people got really tired of her having seances in their fucking houses. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be mad. You know, it's not a great guess. No. And uh, she would consistently receive spirit communications from her brother, Albert, according to her. Um, And then she started advertising herself as a spiritual healer in spiritualist papers and she would carry Quimby's manuscripts with her claiming that a lot of it was her own work um people claimed that one of the spirits she was you know frequently bringing to these seances was Abraham Lincoln okay sure how did she feel about Abraham Lincoln Apparently pro, since she invited him over all the time. Yeah, I guess. Spiritually, yeah, true, I should true. say. Look, an enemy of um, my father is a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Hey, that's fair. Um, and allegedly, she was attending and performing seances all the way up through 1872. Wow. And, yeah, in later seances, she would use the seance to convert people to Christian science <laughs> and just be like, your mother's here from the other side. She has a message. Pay us $300 to come to our college. What are you going to do with this information? <laughs> I do I do like that that means that before that, she was using it for like other purposes. And I imagine her just being like, what's that, Abraham Lincoln? All dentists named Dan are fucking assholes? Ooh, I agree. <laughs> well, funny you should mention that because right around the same time in 1873... She divorced Daniel, like, officially so that she could get out of that marriage. And she published a book in 1875 called Science and Health. Um, It's been republished under a couple different titles, sometimes Science and Health with the Key to the Scriptures, but mostly Science and Health. Um, And a lot of the spiritualist beliefs and a lot of PP's beliefs are included in it but not cited. So she would publicly be like, spiritualism's bullshit. PP doesn't know what he's talking about, juggling all them chainsaws. Uh, <laughs> but you should read my book because my book has all of the shit in it. And it would have a lot of their tenets in it, just not attributed to them. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Dick so she called this the textbook of Christian science, and she self-published it with about a hundred or a thousand copies. And during this time, both the publication of the book and then her offering healing services through newspapers had netted her a following of about 800 people. And she decided to teach them the tenets of what she called primitive Christianity. So healing the way Jesus did, living the way Jesus did, eating the things that Jesus would eat, and essentially staying away from a lot of the modern trappings of medicines and science while trying to cure yourself with faith and positive thinking. The last hundred pages of this book is a chapter called, and I included this because the name made me laugh, Fruitage. (laughs) It contains essentially accounts and testimonies of people who had been healed by her. Okay. We don't know if these are accurate, uh, but it's basically just like, yeah, I had a goiter and she thought positively and it was gone. (laughs) Like that, that's what it is. Um, this is her version of like, hey, everybody, we've got a new five-star review. Yeah, exactly. Except she uh, just wrote them all herself. Yeah. How do you know we didn't? Yeah, exactly. Andrea. Just throwing people off the scent with our racist against white people. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. The best part was I wrote that one. Why do you guys keep giving us one star? If you're going to at least fake reviews, just give us five stars. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh man. That's why there's so many reviews about how handsome I am, even though it's an audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, once she published this first run, she basically, up until her death, constantly revised it. Like once a year, if not more. So there are between the initial run and her death, like 89 different versions. Damn, girl, let it go. This is my book, The Remix. (laughs) You just changed two words. What are you doing? She's just Lil Nas X. She made one song, but she made like 8,000 versions of it. Exactly. Now, in 1877, just a few years after publishing the book, she married a man named Asa Gilbert Eddy. That's where she gets her last name. And in 1882, they moved to Boston, but he died that same year. But here's the thing about her husband's death. She thinks he was murdered. Murder. Mentally. It's meant what? Yeah, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, okay. So she began to believe later in her life that if it was true that you could heal yourself mentally, then it was also true that you could use your mental powers to destroy the health of other people and use it as a weapon. Mind assassin. Oh my God. Mind assassin. So in 1872, Mary Baker Eddy had an argument with one of her students, a man named Richard Kennedy, and he was expelled from Christian science. But that made her believe that he was using mental powers to attack her and her husband. So she had students stand outside her bedroom door to protect her with their minds. And in 1882, when her husband passed away, she claimed that he had died of, quote, mental assassination. Oh, my God. Either from Richard Kennedy or Daniel Spoford, who was another student expelled for kind of similar reasons. 
She accused him of practicing, and she called these mental attacks animal magnetism, malicious animal magnetism. She had accused both students of that, so she wasn't sure which one killed her husband, but, like, yeah. She she eventually does formally accuse one of them, but she believed that they had the power to commit mental assassination because she had taught them how to harness their thoughts for healing, and they had used it for evil. You know, like the Force. Um, yeah, she's fucking, like, they're Voldemort in her little lie that she tells herself. Yes, and so she eventually accuses Daniel Spoford. She thought that he was using mental malpractice, quote, <laughs> to undermine her Christian science practice. So in 1878, she actually tries to sue him. Yes. <laughs> Take it to the courts, big brain. I, uh, I heard that when she showed up to court, she had like a little beanie that was like a, a Teflon bulletproof vest, but for her mind. <laughs> just foil, just wrapping yeah. tin foil around her yeah, head. But this... somehow it looks like abs still. Yeah. Yeah. What she claimed is A, that he tried to kill her husband, but also B, that he was trying to hurt one of her patients who wouldn't be healed. Basically claiming that it's not that I can't heal her, it's that he's preventing her from being healed. And it didn't go well for her publicly because the (laughs) second the newspapers (laughs) heard about it, they were like, I'm sorry, what now? Uh, So they dubbed it the second Salem witch trial and it was thrown out of court. (laughs) Yeah, as it should be. I can't believe they even heard it. Like, I can't believe they were even like, let's entertain these ideas, though. Well, ma'am, Mary, it's good to have you here. I'm going to be honest with you. We have no interest in hearing your court case. We just had to see um, that big-ass fucking brain. We've heard so much about it. <laughs> it's wild. It's super huge. In 1889, she actually wrote about malicious animal magnetism and published it in the Christian Science Journal, one of her personal publications. And she said that mental assassination was one of the greatest crimes that anyone practicing it should be put to death by a human executioner. (laughs) And I think it's really funny that she felt the need to include human. (laughs) Just be like, none of this mental executioner, a human executioner. Like Jackie Daytona, real human executioner. (laughs) I thought you meant like, I don't know. I was imagining a world where we have like cute little puppy executioners. But it was also around this time that she started routinely being accused of plagiarism. Uh Yeah. First, she was accused of plagiarizing Pee-Pee, as she seemed to have adopted nearly all of his tenets, minus hypnotism, into her religious writings without crediting him. But then after that, she got super into Hinduism, as white women do. (laughs) And she quoted tons of passages from the Bhagavad Gita in her 33rd edition of the book, but then removed them in the 34th edition in 1891. And I do want to be clear when I say removed, I mean that she kept all of the principles there, just removed any indication that they were quotes. Oh. Why? I mean, like, um, <sighs> she wanted people to think it was her. I, yeah. I guess. Dude, one time when I was a kid, I wanted to write a. I told my mom I wanted to write a book, and uh, I took this uh, this book that I had that was just called uh, what is it? The Magic Treehouse. It was like a series of children's books. 
and I basically just word for word started writing down what the book said. And my mom came in and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm writing a book. What does it look like? And she's like, that's not what writing means. And I was like, I don't know. I'm doing pretty good. How much book have you written, mom? <laughs> Your mom's in her room just copying the pelican brief. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, I kind of get it. If you have if you have a uh, too big a brain or too small a brain like I do, maybe you think that's the way that it goes. <laughs> I want to say that malicious animal magnetism sounds like a matchmaker who gets animals together <laughs> to do harm. It sounds like the law that made bestiality illegal. That's yeah. what it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> You can be in a relationship with an animal, but you can't be malicious about it. <laughs> no more playing games. Communication is key. <laughs> I got ghosted so, by a monkey. <laughs> then he should be charged with malicious animal magnetism. <laughs> he made you interested in him, and then he threw your heart on the ground. You know what, though? That's not his fault. He was just born a sexy monkey. <laughs> That monkey shouldn't be leaving people on red all the time. <laughs> so Mary ignored all of these criticisms and decided <laughs> that her best course of action was to get to work establishing her own church where she could teach her own tenets. So as we mentioned, she had written the books and the bylaws by about 1879. She had about 800 people and they formed their initial church and they continued to grow. In 1892, they reorganized to form the first Church of Christ scientist. In 1888, just a little before that, they had started opening rooms where they would sell Bibles, her writings, and other publications. This model would become kind of their calling card. They call them Christian science reading rooms. There's like five of them in Los Angeles alone. Uh, there's more than 2,000 or so still in existence today. And in 1894, they actually built a full church with a full, uh, they called it an edifice, but basically the whole front of the church with statues, like a really formal church uh, for the first Church of Christ Scientist in Boston. It's kind of the first one they consider the mother church. Hmm. And in early years, Eddie served as their pastor. Surprise. Whoa. <laughs> She then went on to found the Christian Science Publishing Society in 1898, which became the publishing home for all of their publications that had been launched by her and her followers. Because that was something they actually did pretty, they, it was pretty smart the way they did it, where she had a thousand copies of her books and they just started publishing and sending out and selling all of her different writings or sections of the books as like, pamphlets and treaties but they were having to pay for publishing because publishing wasn't something people just did at home on the internet so they bought a publishing company to basically put out anything that they needed so from there they actually started publishing the christian science monitor which is a daily newspaper that still exists to this day and is actually like a newspaper newspaper like sometimes they actually have articles that you're like oh that that's real. Oh, oh snap. Okay. Okay. Like they, I'm almost 100% that we have used them as a source before. Interesting. Like a news source. Hmm. Yeah. They were obviously a lot more biased back in the day, but currently they're just like a regular newspaper. 
They also founded the Christian Science Journal in 1883, a monthly magazine that was basically for the church's members. And in 1898, they founded the Christian Science Sentinel, which was a weekly periodical written for kind of the general audience, meant to be given out to people who weren't involved in Christian science yet, but they wanted them to get involved. Then they founded the Herald of Christian Science, a religious magazine with editions in multiple languages. And I mean like dozens and dozens of languages. They would have it translated everywhere. So now they have these churches, but then they also have storefronts where you could come in and buy any of their like books or anything, but you could also stay and read them there. That's also where you could kind of join the church and get certified as a healer by attending the reading rooms. Yeah. Hmm. Such an it's, interesting, it's such an interesting business model that you're essentially just creating like a a gift shop that that's where you enter into it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you walk in through there and you're like, oh, what's all this interesting stuff? And they're like, hmm, let me tell you all about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There used to be a Christian Science reading room right by my old office. I would walk past it to get to my car every day, and literally in the reading room they would have like community pamphlets and stuff where it's like you know they would have like political stuff or community organizing and they became kind of like a hub of information so that people go there not necessarily for christian science but it's seen as a safe space for information and that's how they get you so interesting yeah because if i went to the library and they were like hey you want to hear about Jesus' juggling past? I would be like, whoa, <laughs> this has to be facts because I'm in a library. <laughs> now, in 1907, she was still alive, by the way, in 1907. Wow. Yeah. 1907, the New York World, which was a newspaper at the time, sponsored a lawsuit known as the Next Friends Suit where they actually specifically tried to argue that Eddie was not medically competent to continue running her church, which is, like, well, real bizarre. Was she ever? Well, doctors and psychologists examined her and, in the end, deemed her fit to continue running the church at the age of 86. What? Damn. Yes. However, due to the lawsuit, a lot of unsavory articles were published about Mary and her childhood, some true and some embellished. And it brought to light things like, allegedly Mary had been addicted to morphine for years, starting with the treatment from her back. Damn. That makes sense. That makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. And not consistently, like on and off, but specifically in the 1870s, Apparently, she'd been hitting that morphine pony hard, you know, when she developed that whole like mental assassination thing. Yeah, see, that's, that's starting to make a lot more sense now. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Also, despite her healing powers, quote unquote, she routinely wore glasses. <laughs> uh, right after this came out, she got rid of the glasses <laughs> and people were just like, oh, but I bet you still need them. Right. Try reading this. And then she did. What? Yes, that's the crazy thing is that they were just like, she was like, oh, glasses? I just wear these for fun. I don't need these. And they were like, prove it. And she was like, A, B, D, C, E. And they were just like, she does. Why was she wearing these? (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted you guys to think I was smart. 
<laughs> and that the passage of time had happened. Right? Uh, what? <laughs> Thanks, John Mulaney. <laughs> she also had her grandchildren vaccinated despite preaching against vaccinations. And when people asked about it, they were like, well, you got your kids vaccinated. She's like, yeah, well, uh, the state required it. So if the state requires it, I guess get them vaccinated, but just pray that it won't kill them. Wait, did she have more <laughs> kids besides the son that she lost? No, they reconnect when her son is in his 30s. Okay, but that was her only child, right? As far as we know, yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Now, as I mentioned, she did, she was alive at this point. She did pass away three years later at her home in Boston at the age of 89 (laughs) of just straight up old age. (laughs) Like no other, like Regis Philbin passed away today. Same thing, natural causes. This lady, natural causes. And to live to 89 or 91 like Kellogg at this time in history is a feat. Like that's insane. Yeah. 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 Now it's like making me doubt. Like maybe she was right this whole time. I know. You're like maybe we should be trying to heal ourselves with our minds and just constantly shitting, and we'd all live to be like a hundred. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is kind of the sad part. Is that it, it? Really is like a. It is kind of a torturous. Like, yeah. If I ate like Kellogg and shit as much as I as he said I was supposed to, I feel like uh, I feel like I'd live forever, but I wouldn't love it. Live laugh don't love it don't don't love this don't love it. and there are still thousands of christian science congregations and reading rooms around the country where you can train in her healing method and you are required to prove yourself a healer before you're added to their register and before you can be listed as a teacher for other healers to come so they like have you prove it what is the test i don't know <laughs> Because I, I almost wanted to do like it. just go over there and be like, so what do I got to do? Do you think if I walked in there and I was just like, I'm sending negative vibes, they'd be like, oh, no, and then like freak out. About <laughs> I think it. if we stood outside the door and just glared for a long time. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, maybe finger to temple. Just mm, I feel like they would freak the fuck out. <laughs> also, and this is completely unrelated. It's just a note I have about that medicine that had mercury in it. Uh, apparently it caused excessive and near deadly diarrhea, Ooh. but it was, it was an accepted treatment for dysentery. So like, That's not it would good. just, they, you'd be like, oh, you've got dysentery. Let's finish you off. Yeah. <laughs> Mercury pills. Jesus so. Christ. I love So that. at a certain point, I'm like, I get why she didn't want to take medicine. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't good. Like, doctors were definitely wrong in this time about a lot of things. Oh, yeah. But please still take your vaccines. Vaccinate your kids. Come on, kids. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's God. not mercury anymore. <sighs> don't, well, don't even get some, a joke. some vaccinations contain inert mercury, which is different than this type of mercury. Yes. If you're concerned about it, look into it, but read, like, accepted medical journals because there's been no link to autism or anything else based on that. Also, and I'm here to tell you, let's stop treating people with autism as if they're like a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're beautiful, unique people. And it's great. Yeah. I remember when I was walking with my roommate <laughs> somewhere. We were in Baldwin Park, my old roommate, and somebody was like, they were there was literally a, a, a what's it called? A, like a rally. And they were like, Vaxism, uh, vaccines cause autism. And my roommate was like, I have autism. <laughs> 
And they were like, exactly. And he was like, it's what? <laughs> it was the most confusing thing for him. He's bad for other reasons. He's bad because he has terrible choices in food. But other than that, great guy. And I love him. Well, at least he's not chewing on mercury. <laughs> I know. It well, that was worse. that was the thing is his favorite food was Hot Pockets filled with mercury. So I feel like <laughs> that was probably and an ice cold glass of morphine. That was his favorite <laughs> snack. This episode, just like every episode, is brought to you by uh, Armando's Mercury Dip. Hey, do you not have time to smoke a full cigarette of mercury? <laughs> well, then stick this little thing in your in your in your lip and and dip it. What if they're just little balls like Dippin' Dots? Yeah. Oh, like Dippin' Dots. You just have, like ball bearings. Yeah. yeah. It's just metal mouth. That's why they call you metal mouth. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. That's actually the the uh, the origin story for that James Bond villain. Ooh, Jaws. Yeah, the shark teeth. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so take Armando's Mercury drips. Now in uh, <laughs> dripping, dripping dots form. You can just. It's the ice cream of the past. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Nothing was fun in the past. All the things you love were horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and even all the fun stuff, they were like, hey, you want to take a bunch of heroin? It goes in your butt now. <laughs> but for all you know, that's like the best high you can get. Yeah. Like, yeah. so high you fly too close to the sun and die like Sylvester Graham. But like, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you know that in the 1800s? The most fun you could have was with a, a giant wooden hoop and a stick. Did you know that? That was a video game in the 1800s. A giant wooden hoop with a stick. You, the hoop and yeah. stick game. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm just saying, like, you were talking about, things have improved. I thought you were talking about a more board. violent basketball. Like, it's <laughs> basketball, but everyone has a fucking baton and they're just hitting each other. Yeah, cop no, basketball. Just, they, they <laughs> oh, hit. Shit. They hit this giant hoop down the street so they can practice hitting people that don't look like them later. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, cops make a lot more sense now. Anyway, uh, this episode is actually brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Uh, this one in particular is brought to you in part by our Patreon donor, Rachel, the queen of tea. Ooh. Is that tea as in, like, give me the tea girl or tea as in, like... You know, here is my handle, here is my spout. I actually don't know, but I want to combine them and make it the the queen of both types of tea. Uh, I want to make it Earl like... Earl Grey and Secrets. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. I want, the, yeah, yeah. I want them sitting on a throne just being like, Rebecca's a bitch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Chamomile. <laughs> the most relaxing tea for the most upsetting conversation. Yeah, exactly. Rachel... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us know what kind of queen of tea you are. Let us know which kind of tea you reign over. Is it is it the delicious nice kind or is it the delicious evil kind? <laughs> I really want a tea shop to open up just called Secrets. I want a tea shop that that's just called Spill the Tea. And every time you come in and you buy something, they tell you something about somebody in your life that you didn't <laughs> oh my know God. beforehand. It's so okay. So basically, like it's half tea shop, half private investigator. <laughs> <laughs> you have to make an appointment like two weeks in advance. Half psychic private investigator. Oh yes, of course. I want to have a tea shop where each of the little tea bags is just a t-shirt, but it's like a big dog t-shirt. <laughs> 
Oh my fucking god! Big dog T-shirts, get at us. <laughs> Let's collab on this, dude. All right. First of all, no one's hit us up about the cereal yet, and I'm legit upset. Oh about no, it. they well they they did not to create our own, but we a got contacted by one of Kellogg's relatives, which was great. That was awesome. Yeah. But but also someone who works for Kellogg's is sending us some free stuff. Oh fuck yeah! I'm so excited. I fucking love yeah, cereal. I don't know what what it is, but when I pick it up, I'll let you know. Oh, I'm so i'm so hyped but i do if you if you're out there and you can help us create a cereal let's do that but secondly if you're uh if you work for big dog t-shirts and and you want to create big dog t-shirts but it's spelled with an (laughs) e and an a after the t uh hit us up and let's let's get this collabo going bro come on come on i will let you know that uh our our friend from kellogg let me know that kellogg also owns ego and I am a huge Ego fan. And she was like, I can't send them, though, because they'll go bad because the, they won't be oh. frozen. And I was like, oh, you're right. So I just went out and bought a bunch of Ego waffles. Damn. Damn. <laughs> and I've just been eating Ego waffles for days. I bought a waffle maker. I have a waffle maker in my home that I used to make waffles. And then and I've had it for a while. And, uh, and before everything went to shit, like before the whole... Uh, pandemic I went to my grandma's house and she had ego waffles and I was like let's try this stupid f- better somehow better it's just like inherently childishly better than it's, any waffle it's because it is the perfect receptacle for both butter and syrup yeah. that's all it is that's all waffles are that's all we need them for yeah. they're just a way to shovel the fat and sugar into your face that's and that's real what talk I want. I'll eat eggos plain or with peanut butter who are I've you eaten a- I've eaten eggos frozen that's how much I love Eggos. Okay. All right. I don't want to do the show with this. you anymore. I don't. They're not, not that bad. <laughs> just tr- They're fully cooked before they freeze them. Just try it. If you don't put don't like ice me. cream in the middle or something, then I'm upset with it. But if you, I don't know. Send it. Okay. Hey, I'm Armando. If you want to send me your most upsetting Eggo creation. Because um, I, okay. First of all, there's the famous one, obviously. Um, and it comes from the PP Quim. Uh, there's a thing that people do with Eggo waffles. And it's they come on it. And they then, jizz on a waffle and then they make somebody eat it. Yeah. It's the worst kind of syrup and it's gross. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why would you waste perfectly good cum? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you've made a grosser ego creation than anything I'm hearing about right now, send it to me. Send me your awful ego waffle creation or make something. Whoever okay, whoever, <laughs> whoever sends me the worst drawing or theoretical explanation of an ego waffle or if you can recipe. make yeah if you can make the recipe or, or make the the sandwich i will send you enough money in your whatever you live to go out and buy a, a box of ego waffle i'll venmo you enough to buy waffle <laughs> that's there there you go there's a winner and hit me up on instagram or twitter at mondo does stuff m-a-n-d-o does stuff i'm balling out i'll throw i'll throw a fucking a box of egos at your house yeah dude. mr Moneybags <laughs> over here jesus yeah what's up just flossing with waffles hell yeah I'm fucking waffling I'll, Waffle. I'll eat my money frozen dude <laughs> gross uh, like for real though just uh, go home try a bite of a frozen egg waffle it's not that bad <laughs> Especially if you have the French toast ones. Or you just wait a minute and cook it. I don't. <laughs> Why? Sometimes yeah. you don't have time. Sometimes you're running out the door and you know what? Don't at me. Sometimes I do it even if I'm not running out the door 
This is an important. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch my thing up and say uh, instead of the worst Eggo waffle creation, send me the best Eggo waffle creation because I don't want. I realized that like I was like, oh, what's the worst thing you could make? And it's just like I took a shit on an Eggo waffle. Yeah, don't send us that. Send I want a... pictures of that. No, yeah. I don't. You know send what? It no. The page. No, no, no. I'm going backwards on it. Now I want the worst one. Okay, make up your mind, waffle, waffle. I want. I'm waffling. Literally waffling. <laughs> yeah. I want the worst thing. Every day I'm waffling. But you have to actually make it that's my thing now it can't be theoretical i need you to make it take a picture and send it to me big money and i will i will send you enough money for a whole two box of that okay i love you at mondo does stuff on twitter and instagram hey guys andrea here please don't send me your shit waffles uh i just want to say if you ordered a panther shirt from me uh they should we should be be uh picking them up from the printers this week I know that the shipping date said three to five days. That is an automatic response for shipping time. Um, but since it was, this was a pre-order and we did actually have to order all those shirts ourselves, bring them to the printer ourselves, uh, they are still being made. But hopefully by the end of this week, we'll be able to pick them up and get them sent out to you probably by next week, hopefully. So yeah. that's our that's our to-be-determined timeline. But as of right now, that that's what it's looking like. It's looking like the shirts are going to be done on uh, Friday, July 31st. And then, of course, we have to get them, pack them up. Uh, the benefit of doing pre-orders means zero waste. So this is environmentally, you know, conscious. They're not going to be sitting somewhere or, like, end up not being used. Uh, everything that we've ordered, everything that we've sold is being made. So d- that's the trade-off. You, everything you're doing is better for the environment and better for the economy and better for uh, better for local businesses. And also, thanks to everyone who did pre-order shirt, we were able to give $1,952.72 to the ACLU. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. And now they're going to fucking finals. We did it. We did it, guys. They are going to finals. And by finals, I mean suing the federal government. Fuck So you just gave money to the only place that is suing the federal government and keeping those fucking stormtroopers out of Portland. Thank you so much. I love you. You're great. If you want to send me the coolest thing you've ever juggled, please send that to me <laughs> on all the things at Sundress Comic or check out my art at Andrea Gazetta. I also have a shop at www.andreagazetta.com. If you want any sweet paintings, I do have some prints in there. Check it out. Thank you guys so much for listening. And you're awesome. Um... If you've ever eaten a frozen waffle, please let me know so that I don't feel so alone. <laughs> and um, if you've eaten other frozen things that are not supposed to be eaten frozen most of the time, but you think they're good, let me know so that I don't feel so alone. Uh, and you can send those to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter, at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've been looking up... Uh is it safe to eat frozen ego waffles? I just looked up on Reddit. Do you need to cook slash heat egos frozen packaged waffles? Are there any health dangers to eating them frozen and cold? And people are like, no, but why? Why do you want this? Uh, they're just, just like it. Okay. They're just saying like, nope, egos are fully cooked and you can enjoy them cold or frozen right out of the packages you like. Bon appetit. Pro tip. Don't do it though. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Okay. All right. Well, it's a thing that people do, and or at least they're wondering about, and that's really what matters. If you wanna, uh, if you wanna stay up to date with all of uh, the news on Ego Waffles, you can go to, uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Cult Podcast, or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us a digital Ego Waffle to <laughs> Cult Podcast Show at Gmail dot com. Or you could try to send us real Lego waffles, but it's probably not going to go great. Um, no. No. Just pictures. Send us pictures of Lego waffles to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink morphine. <laughs> it may th- it may make you think that people can assassinate people with their minds. Yes. Don't drink morphine. Don't drink mercury. Yeah. Oh, definitely don't drink mercury, and don't drink the Kool Aid. Bye. Bye. Bye.